How are you going reading through Proverbs? Now you may have noticed if you're, if you're on our Facebook members group, that there's some posts going up there a couple of times a week. If you're following those readings, you'll get through the whole of Proverbs in the term. I, I, I don't know if you have this experience reading Proverbs. I, I find it, it's kind of like little sparks that just fly off as you read each individual proverb and you kind of think, whoa, that's cool. If only there was a way that I could somehow take that and become a bit more like that person or speak a bit more like this or do these kind of things. And then you read the next one and it's like another little spark. You're like, oh, oh, I want to... I have this vision of a person who just walks through life quoting proverbs all the time. Maybe it would be a really annoying person, I don't know. Anyway, let's pray, shall we, as we spend some time together. Father, we, are, we ask now as we consider your word that it would teach us about our words, teach us to speak from hearts that are filled with your word, that we would speak in ways that build and edify, that are constructive and of blessing, rather than words that are full of curses, full of tearing each other down. We ask, Father, that we would speak in ways that result in life rather than death. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, words matter. Uh, that, that's a wordle, by the way. You ever come across a wordle before? They are, um, uh, that's the entire text of Proverbs is represented in that picture. And the bigger the word is, the more times that word appears in Proverbs. Anyway, I'll, I'll post it on the Facebook group later. It's kind of interesting to look and to see. But wor- words matter. On the one hand, they are some of the cheapest and easiest things to produce in the world. I'm going to produce many words in the next little while. You can just speak out of nowhere and out of nothing, however much you want. And yet words can be more deadly and more powerful than the most complex weaponry. Words matter. God's words matter. I mean, God's words in particular matter. Uh, Think about the very start of the Bible. What's the very first thing that happened in all of creation? Remember Genesis 1? In the beginning, there was nothing, darkness, the void, and... God said, God spoke from the very beginning. God spoke creation into being. The Bible doesn't just start with God speaking. Do you know what happens at the very end of the Bible? You want to take a guess? I mean, given where we're going, right? God speaks. Jesus says, some of the very last words in the Bible in Revelation 22, Jesus testifies saying, yes, I am coming soon. And he issues a warning, do not add, do not take away from the word of God. Even within Proverbs, Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And it's got then the same warning, do not add to his words or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. God's words matter. But you know what, it's not just God's words that matter, Our words matter too. Our words matter to God. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. What we say can have a bearing on how God views us. His approval or his detesting can come from falsehood or faithfulness. Our words matter to God. Our words matter to each other. 
It was there in that proverb that Andrew spoke for us. Proverbs, this, this, by the way, this is my favourite one. Out of, we're going to look at many, many, many proverbs this morning. Uh, I think this is my favourite. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. But just reflect on that as a picture for a moment. Your mouth can flow, can burst forth, can be overwhelming in producing life in others. But of course, the opposite is also true, isn't it? With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbours. Our mouths are capable of great good or great evil. Our words matter to God. Our words matter to each other. Our words even have consequences for our own lives. Proverbs 14, a fool's talk brings a rod to his back, but the lips of the wise protect them. What we speak has consequences on us. I want to show you a picture. We're going to come back to this picture at the end. Really, it's it's which one do you want to be? Uh, It was a great picture because it encapsulates it all at once. See, your mouth can be a spring that flows forth to produce life, like the right left-hand side of that picture, right? An oasis, verdant and blooming and full of life as you speak words that bring life. Or... Your mouth can produce nothing but rocky, barren outcrops in those who hear around you. Which do you want to be? One who speaks words of life or words of death? Words matter greatly. I mean, just stop and think for a moment about the sorts of words that we might say, the power that they have, the bearing on our lives. I will. Very simple words, but I love you. I hate you. It's not me, it's you. I think we need a break for a while. You're out of the will. Yes, I think I will have a second burger. No, I'm not going to tell you where I buried the treasure. Words are very powerful things. There's no wonder Proverbs has so much to say. Now look, In trying to summarise it, uh, I I, I managed to squeeze it all down into just nine points. Okay, so this is going to be a nine-point sermon, nine wise words on speech. I told you I'm going to make a few words. Look, they'll be very quick, okay? Don't don't freak out. Um, But we're going to cover a lot of ground, which just means that I trust that you're going to be listening. You're going to pick out the things that are timely where you need to be growing and learning right now. Nine wise words on speech, and I haven't got them in your outline, so just leave yourself plenty of space. Number one, speak the right word at the right time. Speak the right word at the right time. At Proverbs 12, 25. Most of the passages are going to come up on the screen, by the way. We're just going to go through a lot of Proverbs, so there'll be one or two I'll get you to look up. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Isn't that a lovely picture? That in the midst of the stress and the anxiety and the burden and the worry of life, all it takes is one kind word to change everything. I must admit, I'm not particularly good at this, to be honest. Kind words don't come to me naturally. I, I, I see the cost in things. I see, well, really, I hide behind this. I hide behind reality, Oh, no, no, I need to tell you how badly you did that thing right now. You need to understand that you can do this better. You, and, and I hide behind it. But really, I'm just not very good at it. 
And I think blokes, we're the worst at this. We are so much more likely to put each other down than we are to speak kind words. The right word at the right time. Or Proverbs 25, a word aptly spoken, a word spoken when it was needed, is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I don't know what you do with apples of gold in settings of silver, but it sounds really nice, doesn't it? It's good. Like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. The right word at the right time. Now, it can be a kind word, a gentle word, a helpful word, a building word. But there is a time for a rebuke. There is a time where the right word at the right time includes helping somebody see sin or foolishness or choose a wise path. Really, Proverbs 15.28 captures it. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Stop and think. Now, for some of us, that's a challenge. We have no brain filter. What's in here automatically comes out. Gushing is the right word. And yet Proverbs will say it is right to stop and think because as we speak, we ought to be considering them, not us. How often are you in a conversation with somebody and all you can think about is what you're going to say next? I mean, that's me, every conversation, if I'll be honest. They're talking and they've said something that spurs a thought and I'm like, all right, what I'm going to say next is, I'm not thinking about them, I'm thinking about me. Rather than stop and weighing and considering and speaking the right word at the right time. Secondly, there is great blessing in truthfulness. There is great blessing blessing in truthfulness come to proverbs chapter 12 this is one of the ones we're going to look up it's a little bit longer so rather than put it all on the screen we're going to look it up proverbs chapter 12 and verse 17 proverbs 12 from verse 17 it says this and just note right the comparison between falsehood and truth between what lies accomplish and what truth accomplishes A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. There is deceit in the heart of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. You see what lies do? Lies pierce others. These lies that really just last a moment. I mean, sooner or later they get found out. All they do is bring trouble. In fact, the Lord detests the liar. In contrast, truth, what does truth do? It brings healing, sometimes painful healing, right? I'm not saying that the truth is always just lovely. Oh, how nice. Sometimes the truth hurts. But sometimes that pain is necessary to achieve healing, like a broken bone, right? You're setting a broken bone, hurts. The truth endures. In the end, God delights in the truth. 
The truth is not easy. It often feels the other way around. It often feels like lying is the easier path to take. Well, if I just exaggerate a little bit what happened, just a little bit, it, it, it'll just put the blame on them a little bit more rather than on me. I, I'm not really lying. I'm just changing the story ever so slightly. Or, or how about I cover over? I'll just forget to mention that thing. That's all. That's all I'm doing. I'm just, oh, I forgot to mention it. I'll just cover over it. I'll misdirect. Hey, look, a shiny thing. Let's not talk about this anymore. I'll... So much easier to lie. But there is great blessing in truthfulness. Right, so number one. Oh, no, hang on. What have we got there? Proverbs 17.20. Ah, look at this. A man of perverse heart does not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. I mean, it's going to happen sooner or later. You think that the lie is going to make it easier for you. Sooner or later, the lie will be found out and it will be worse for it. Speak the right word at the right time. There is great blessing in truthfulness. Number three, give good advice and listen to good advice. 12, 5 and 6. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. You notice those two middle phrases together? The advice of the wicked is deceitful. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. Don't listen to people who are going to give you bad advice. Who are going to tell you to follow their wicked ways. In fact, it's very telling who you listen to. Because wicked people listen to wicked advice. Chapter 17, verse 4. A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. It says a lot about us, who we listen to. Now I want you to stop and think for a moment about who it is that you listen to. Who are the people in your life who, when they speak, you are so, you know, you're going to take that very seriously. Is it people who are known for being liars? who are known for being wicked, whose lives are messed up, their own lives are messed up, and they're trying to tell you how to live yours. If that's them, then stop listening to them. And look, I want to say something that's not particularly politically correct, but here it goes. If someone is not a Christian, then you need to be very, very careful with their advice. Now, let me be very clear. People who aren't Christian can give you good advice. Okay, I'm not saying that all people who are non-Christian are always going to tell you... I'm not saying that. But what I want you to recognise is this. They see the world differently to you. Completely differently. They have no concern at all for your holiness. They have no concern at all for God's pleasure. They have no concern at all for you to be serving the saints, for you to be loving other people like Jesus did. They have no concern at all for seeing you believing at the end. They don't care about those things at all. And so as they give you advice, make sure that you listen with your Christian ears on. Listen very carefully. However, I'm not saying that you ought just ignore all advice. Good advice is good. In fact, it's necessary. Proverbs 11:14 For lack of guidance a nation falls but many advisers make victory sure You need good counsel 
It's right to have counsel, to talk about things, to ask other people. And I think for us in particular, we've bought the lie from the world that we are individuals and disconnected from everybody else, particularly when it comes to decisions. My life, my decisions. As opposed to, I am part of the body and I wish to seek the counsel of those God has placed in my life. So there may well be some people you need to stop listening to. There may be some people you need to listen to and be very discerning. There may be opportunities where you need to learn to speak wise counsel and not be one of these. All right, give good advice, listen to good advice. Number four, don't feed the beast. I could have just said don't gossip, but don't feed the beast was a bit more fun. Don't gossip. There's something about gossip. Now, look, this verse was very intriguing. Proverbs 18.8. I I very much enjoyed reflecting on this verse. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to a man's inmost part. There's something about gossip that we just can't refuse. You know when that person walks up to you and they're like, oh, man, you you wouldn't believe what I just found out. And you're like, oh. Go and tell me. <laughs> we can't stop ourselves. It's delicious. I want to know. Please tell me. Tell me. Do I already know? I'll tell you what I know. You tell me. You know. I'll tell you what I know. And we know that it's destructive and still it's so delicious. Let me, let me illustrate it for you. Let me just give you a little example. I, I found out something this week uh, about somebody who's very dear to us. Uh, uh, Joseph Wiltshire and uh, I, look I spent a lot of time in their house and so I kind of uh, actually the thing I found out wasn't really about Joe at all but was about Alison um, and and look I, I thought to myself well this is a very very intriguing thing I better share it with her just you know I, I think you'll be uh, interested to know what it is that I found out look at you <laughs> look at you right now you're already sitting there going you go <laughs> What's he going to say? What's he going to say? <laughs> right? What could I possibly tell you about Alison? That she's awesome, right? That, that she has a fierce protective love for her family and for her husband. That she works hard all the time. That she's determined to see people into the kingdom of heaven. That she pours herself out for people in need. What about, and you're sitting there going, go on, tell me the gospel. They're like choice morsels that we can't help but want to feed on. And yet gossip is so utterly destructive. Listen to what it does. 1628, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Drives a wedge between those who would otherwise be so close. Remember last week, friendship? We talked about friendship. How many hours it takes to form these close, at least 200 hours together we talked about? One word, which is poof, destroy it. 17.9, he who covers over an offence promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Now, of course, there is a time to bring up offence. There is a time to talk about wrongdoing. But do you know the best way to talk about wrongdoing? Go and talk to the wrongdoer. Don't spread it. Don't go and talk to someone else about it. Go and don't say, oh, do you know what so-and-so did? But just go and talk to them about it. Do you know why it's so bad? Well, look at this. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. You keep gossiping, you're just feeding that flame. 
11.13, a gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. In fact, the Proverbs will go so far as to say this, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Just don't be near him. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you asked somebody to not tell you something? When was the last time that you said to somebody, I, I, I don't really want to hear that. Please don't tell me that. When was the last time you did it? Because I'm sure that you have gossips in your life. It may not be you, right? I'm sure that there are other people around you who would quite happily gossip. When was the last time you said to them, stop? Or, or I will need to not have these conversations with you anymore. Don't feed the beast. Avoid the person who talks too much. Number five, speak words that calm rather than inflame. Fifteen one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentle word. What are they? What are gentle words? Well, we certainly know the opposite, right? The harsh word is the opposite. I find it easier to think of what gentle words aren't. Right? What are these harsh words? Sarcasm. I mean, I can't, I can't, every time I hear sarcasm, I can't help but feel like you're just having a dig at someone, right? You're just putting them down. Oh, what do you mean? You, you, all, all you're doing is saying, you're dumb, I'm smart. That's what sarcasm says. Belittling people. Jokes that just go way over someone's head that are told at their expense. Just insults. No, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Or like this in Proverbs 16, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I wish I was like that. I wish people would say of me, when I speak with David, I come away feeling refreshed, nourished, healed. I, I, wish, I wish that was how my words came out. I, I want to be this kind of person. I watched a little video, it came up a while back, one of these motivational speakers. who was talking about how to stop bullying. And uh, he had this really interesting, bully, bullies want power, right? And they try and gain power over you with their words. And so, you know, as they insult you and you kind of respond with aggression, they just feel like they're gaining power and they just keep going all the more. And, and so he did this little exercise. He invited someone from the audience up. I've thought about doing it, but we won't for the sake of time. And he invites someone up and he says, all right, your job is very simple. Your job is to insult me. My job is to stop you from insulting me. It's as simple as that. If you keep insulting me, I lose, right? If you stop, I win, right? And off they go. So she starts, right? Uh, you're ugly. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm not ugly. He's like, yes, you are. You're ugly. Look at your forehead and your clothes. You're dressed so badly. Ah, well, well, you're ugly too. And she's like, ah, well, you're stupid. And just, right? He goes, well, she won. He said, let's do it again. Same job. Your job is to insult me. My job is to stop you. And she goes, you're so stupid. And he goes, yeah, you know, sometimes I really am. I appreciate you pointing that to me. I, I, I really appreciate it because I, like, I often think you're really smart. He's like, well, well, well thanks. But, uh, but, you're, but, but, but you smell. He's like, oh, really? Oh, wow, okay. Thank you for telling me. And, you just, and, and within three sentences, the, the audience, she, was, like, she, was, she couldn't talk. She was just 
Danny sold right anyway. anyway. Silly illustration. Go look at the video. It's fun. But there's the point, right? Gentle answer. That just... Because the opposite is well known to us. A scoundrel plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. We know the opposite. We know those people who, when they speak, you feel like Sarah Connor in Terminator, when she's holding on to the mesh and the explosion goes off and poof, and all that's left is just the skeleton, right? You like that after a conversation. You just walk away going, <gasps> speak words that calm. Number six, if you hide behind words, you will be found out. If you pretend to be somebody you are not by the way you speak, you will be found out. I've only got one verse for this, but I thought it was worth including. It's in chapter 26, Proverbs 26 and 23. If you've got your Bible there, jump over to it. Proverbs 26, verse 23. Like a coating of glaze over earthenware are fervent lips with an evil heart. A malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbours deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven abominations fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. You might be very good at fooling other people. Speaking in ways that make them think that you are a saint. While deep down you know what you're like. And I want to say, rest assured, you will be found out. Sooner or later your heart will be revealed and it will be all the worse for you. Don't hide behind words, you will be found out. Number seven, your words will bring a blessing or curse on you. Words will have an impact on your life. From 13.2. From the fruit of his lips, a man enjoys good things, but the unfaithful have a craving for violence. I take it the comparison is between the unfaithful, the liar, the deceiver, and the truthful one, the one whose lips match their lives, the one who speaks well. Good things but the unfaithful have a craving for violence. Interesting that phrase, isn't it? Craving for violence. Made me reflect a little bit on, on, well, our entertainment. How much of our entertainment is just violence? Why do we crave it? I don't really know. I feel like that could be another whole talk. But anyway, I'll leave that you think about that one some more. No, right? What happens if you're a talker and all you do is talk? All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Not lads, leads. Leads only to poverty. Well, how you speak and as your, your speech as a reflection of your life will result in either blessing or cursing. Number eight, constipation is better than diarrhea. You might disagree. We can talk some more later on if you like, but I'll leave you with that picture. Now, I could almost not do the Proverbs, and you'd already know what I'm saying, right? But we're going to do the Proverbs anyway. 10.19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Now, that was striking to me, because I might have said when words are many, you're going to stick your foot in it. You're going to make a fool of yourself. No, sin 
is not absent. You run your mouth and soon enough, you're not just going to be making a fool of yourself, you're going to be dishonouring your God. No, he who holds his tongue is wise. Or 17.27, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint and a man of understanding is even-tempered. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. Stop and think before you talk and then don't say it. Just keep it in. Restraint, even-temper. Now, that's another, again another whole topic, the, the temper and speaking in anger and all the rest of those sorts of things, but restrain yourself. If you know yourself to be a fool, then practice not speaking. In fact, that's what wise people do. You start with that and you're on the path to wisdom. Constipation is better than diarrhea. Number nine, words then can lead to life or death. Chapter 12, verse 6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Your words can bring death, or they can bring life. 12, 13, an evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. And it brings us back to 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. What's your mouth? What are your words? What's your speech? What are you going to do tomorrow when you wake up and you talk to your family? When you get on public transport and you do or you don't talk to the person next to you? When you arrive at work and you say hello to everybody? When you're on the phone to that really, really, really annoying customer? When you come home and you're tired and grumpy? When you have your own quiet time, finally, and someone interrupts, the kids really just want to cuddle. They haven't seen you all day. What will your words do? Will they be a fountain? Will they flow to give life? Will they flow to proclaim the gospel, the good news of what God is doing in your life and through you in the lives of others? Will you speak in a way that is of blessing Now, I want to finish with one principle and one how-to. See, nine points is a lot to keep in your head. I've got it written down. That's how I can remember it. Sorry, there's the picture again. I'll leave the picture up. It's a pretty picture. What about if there was just a principle, one thing that I could remember that would shape how I talk? Well, do you know what there is? You might have noticed that in Ephesians chapter 4, one word, in fact, can summarize it for you. The word is edify, not one we use very often. An edifice is just a a building, right? A big building. Edify is build. That's what it means. Do you want to know the one word? It's in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be of benefit to those who hear. What are you going to do with your words? How are you going to speak? Well, just stop and think. What can I say right now that will build, that will help this person grow to be a massive skyscraper rather than just destroy them and leave rubble? And in fact, as I speak these words, they're going to build someone else. It'll be a benefit around to all else as well. You remember one thing, remember that one. Speak words that build Now, this may well include gentle words, 
Kind words, soft words, words of affirmation, praise, love and tenderness. But it may well also at times include words of rebuke. The the hard, not the harsh word, but the hard word. Certainly it will always be the timely word. Do you want the one principle seek to build? For me personally, that usually means that I have to speak slower than I would otherwise speak. Because my first thoughts are rarely edifying. And quite often my second thoughts aren't either, and sometimes even my third thoughts. By the time I've gotten to about my fourth, we're starting to get there. Stop, think, reflect. But you're like, well, hang on. Words, I mean, how am I supposed to shape all of these words? Where are these words supposed to come from? Words that build. How are we going to do it? Well, Jesus' words were fantastic. And he said this in Matthew 12, 34. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've been listening to a podcast this week, which they were talking about diet. Not like, you know, I've got to lose food diet, but lose weight diet. Lose food. Maybe losing food would help lose weight. No, more about mental diet. And how is it for creative people in particular? How do you keep producing content? How do you stay fit mentally? It made me reflect on how is it that we stay fit spiritually? How is it that our hearts are so full of the right words that what will come from our mouth is edifying talk? What would it take? Well, I wonder what sort of diet you feed on. For if you are on a steady diet of God's word, that word that is powerful, that word that is active and living and is just the most powerful means of transformation that exists, if your diet consists of God's word, then your heart will be filled with it such that that is what you will speak. Is that? The words that your life is full of, are those the words? Or is your diet nothing but junk food? An endless stream of movies and books and comics and podcasts, the news, other people whinging at you. Is that the words that just constantly come in? How will your heart be filled of anything else? Every word, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word that teaches us of your words and ours. We ask that you would fill our hearts with all truth, with all knowledge, with all peace, with all joy in believing, that we might be so filled of you that what we speak is of blessing to others. Father, give each one of us wisdom and and the ability to see in our own lives areas where our words are not fountains of life, but instead are destructive and wicked. And help us as we see that to turn to your word. This wouldn't be an exercise in self-help and self-improvement, but rather that it would be an exercise of dependence upon you, looking to you to shape us, to mould us, to make us like your son. Amen.